We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace and Fachi. We are just a few days away from NBA free agency. Let the madness continue after the NBA draft. But with all that being said, Fachi, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's just crazy because the NBA, you know, it's like the NBA draft was less than a week ago. And quickly, we need to turn our attention past Benedict Matherin and on to all of a sudden free agency. It's just like the NBA comes at you that quickly. It's so much fun because even just the finals wrapped up just a matter of weeks ago. So, hey, this team, we're going to add to it. We're one of the teams with amongst the most money in the league. So there's a lot of options between people to trade, people to sign. It's going to be a fun offseason compared to last year. Oh man, and you brought up the NBA finals and that feels like two months ago. Really I'm not does. I'm not kidding. Like it was only what two weeks ago, legitimately. It literally. And it feels like it was so long ago. So I honestly have no idea how time just goes by so quick. But you know, the NBA draft was last Thursday. We're still on cloud nine because Benedict Matherns on the Indiana Pacers. Of course, Andrew Nimhart and Kendall, Kendall Brown are a part of the team as well. And we're excited about that. And We'll be able to get back into that uh, once summer league gets here. But you know, coming up this coming up this Thursday, we're going to be doing a live reaction podcast to the moves that are happening right around six o'clock. We'll see how quick teams are to pull the trigger on stuff right at six because we saw two teams last year get accused of tampering and losing second round draft picks. But 
You know, there's a lot of things that the Pacers could do here, Fachi. And like you said, they've got a ton of cap space. They've got some interesting players that are going to be available um, in this uh, free agency market. they got some guys that could trade. I mean, we're going to be covering it all today on our free agency guide. So I'm excited to talk about it. You know, I really am too. And, you know, we did the live reaction last year, except the live reaction was instantly signing TJ McConnell, like right when free agency started. And then we waited and we waited. And all of a sudden, you know, Oh my God, I, I Tory Craig. It's crazy. So much has happened. The trades we've tried to trade so many people, but Tory Craig was the next signing that we were like, what? Yeah. All right. I will. I will never, we're done. I will you never, know? I will never forget when we saw Tory Craig, we're like, Oh, who Tory Craig signed with? We're like, we can look and we're like Indiana Pacers. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Whoa, like that's like around $6 million per year. Like we must have big plans for him after yeah. a couple of games. It was like, no, no, we don't. We just signed him. Most memorable Tory Craig game from last season. What was the most memorable one? Yeah. Uh, he had a really good game against the Nets. Yep, that's I, it. That's the only thing I remember yeah. about Tory I mean, Craig. That was the a Tory Craig game, you know? <laughs> Any other moment, I can't best, remember. <laughs> best known for Durant literally chucking the ball in the crowd. with their, They just didn't penalize him at all. And the, the Nets ended up coming back and, and winning. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I remember it. Absolutely, man. Well, let's get right into our free agency guide here, Fachi, because I don't want to waste any time. and we got a lot to get through. So um, we're going to be breaking this down, everybody, into four different segments. So we're going to be doing segment one is Pacers free agents. Segment two is NBA free agents. Segment three is Pacers trading block. And then fourth is league-wide trading block. So we're going to do free agency first then get into the trading stuff. But um, Fachi, let's do it right now. The Pacers have $30 million in cap space, and they've got four players that are unrestricted free agents, Lance Stevenson, Jalen Smith, TJ Warren, and Ricky Rubio. Um, I just want to kind of evaluate this current depth chart. So do you have a depth chart here of the Indiana Pacers roster? Uh, yeah, I, I have a depth chart that I made. So, okay. you know, this is it. just what I'm going off of. So point guard, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, I'm also putting Brogdon on there for now. We got TJ McConnell and then Andrew Nemard um, okay. at point guard. So that's what I have as like the 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 four point guards. So is there anything you would change with that? I just had Hallie McConnell and Nemard, and I had Brogdon as a two with Duarte and uh, Washington yeah. Jr. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's exactly there's going to be a couple of those. Like Dwayne Washington Jr. could be, you know listed as a point guard. Hey, he could be a point guard, could be a shooting guard. Like depending on however you want to go about it, but. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, at shooting guard, I had Benedict Matherin, Buddy Heald, Dwayne Washington Jr., and then you got you know you got your your Gabe Yorks and Nate Hinton, but you know a lot remains to be seen with them. Yeah, I didn't I didn't count them for for this, and because they're on two way contracts, and it's just yeah. like, are they going to be there? I mean, we got a ton of guys excited of these Exhibit Ten contracts. I didn't put any of them on there either because no, no, I didn't do that. They're yeah. not really on the roster, so. Um, yeah, so we have a little bit of a difference here. I mean, I had Matherin and Heald as um, as threes on my depth chart, just trying to, like, honestly, what we could have done is just ball handlers, wings, and bigs, and it yeah, might have made way yeah. more sense. Um, but, yeah, Matherin, Heald, and Brown is who I had as my small forward. I'm assuming you had Duarte, Brown, and somebody else? O'Shea Brissett. Okay, I had O'Shea as my starting power forward, uh, backed up by Isaiah Jackson, Terry Taylor as the uh, third string power forward and then I had Miles as my starting center and Goga as my backup that's exactly what I had look you could see we're, we're thin at the four and the five right over there like I don't care how many times they continue to list Terry Taylor as a shooting guard that man isn't a shooting guard so you know 
I'm with you. That's why I had him as like a backup four, you know, right over there. Uh, with mine, when I had Isaiah as our, our, you know, our four right now, I had Terry Taylor right behind him. But, yeah, obviously, O'Shea, you could slide down there. So, you know, a lot to, remains to be seen. But when you look at the depth of this Pacers team, a lot of it's young and inexperienced. So depth is definitely going to be an issue. There's a lot of youth. So it's going to be fun. But it shows that they have some, some needs this offseason. We're going to get into that. But definitely some things to address here. All right, well, let's just kind of get right into it then, I guess. Um, what's the likelihood of each of our free agents staying? And, and we'll start things off here with Lance Stevenson. What percentage are you giving him uh, in terms of a likelihood of him staying? Man, the youth movement's real. So I, if we're going to put a percentage on it, I, I don't know if I can go above 25%. Mm, interesting. Okay. What, what do you got? Well, while I think he's unlikely to be retained from what I'm just kind of feeling and you know, gut, gut reaction to how they went about doing this draft, I still put it at a 50% chance because, I mean, they could trade Brogdon and get a pick back and trade him into cap space. They could have that extra roster spot for him available. They could take Kendall Brown's contract and make it a two-way deal and have Lance to start the season out with just to kind of be that guy that's, you know, just insurance at positions one through three as like the 15th man on the roster. Kind of where I'm at with him, I know there's a lot of people that don't believe he'll be here, which makes a lot of sense for me but at the same time I think if you're going through a rebuild it would make sense to have a familiar face that fans love and I think that it makes more sense to keep him for that reason than any other reason like basketball aside I hate to say it like that but basketball aside it really does make sense just for fan base wise to, to keep him on there because if you if you let him go once again it don't matter that you got Benedict Matherin and all these other guys Pacer fans are going to be very upset. No, they are. And and I tried to take my heart out of this situation. Look, the fact of all the positive memories of Lance over the course of the last, you know, 10 to 12 years, the fact that he came on our show was just awesome. Like, look, I love Lance. Same it's here. Just a, you know, 32 years old. Hey, you know, how much of a consistent role will he play? If you're talking about just bringing him back as a veteran where he might not play that much, then like, of course, there's always room for Lance. I just don't want to like, you know, it's like that saying of like caging a beautiful bird or whatever it is. Like I want Lance to always be able to be Lance, be able to dance, spread his wings, be able to, you know, get some buckets out there. And I just hope the Pacers would have that ability for him. Now, one of the things that you mentioned, his ability to play one through three is very appealing, you know, so there's always going to be a spot, but it's more of like a, how much playing time can he get? if everyone's healthy and we're trying to develop the youth. Well, he's talked about it. He said that he wants to be that veteran presence in the locker room, and he's been working out with these young guys over the Love summer. That. Love I that. think I think that could be positive. And, like, we had um, O'Shea and Isaiah on the show, and what did they say? They said Lance is the funniest guy on the team. Lance is a yep. positive energy for them. So if you're talking about chemistry-wise, I think they could, you know, I think they would enjoy having him around just as that veteran type of player and – you know, I get it. Lance can be a bit of a headache sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I really do believe in him as like a like a 15th man. I'm not saying that I want to give him minutes over a guy like Andrew Nimhart. I'd rather have Nimhart develop and, and see what he can do. Same with Dwayne Washington Jr., that kind of thing. But I just feel like he's been a part of this organization for so long. The fan base is so connected to him. It just makes too much sense to keep him. But that's why I put it at 50-50 because I can see it going either way. 
That is like I'm I'm with you on that. There's no better 15th man that I would want to take that spot than Lance Stevenson. I want to get that out there. I love Lance, but you know, we know the direction of this team going on over here. Lance says he wants to be that that veteran guy that we talked about. We even asked him about it on the show. I think he did a great job of that last year. I think he got more playing time than than you know last year than he would next season. But at the same point, hey, if that if he's gonna agree to that. I'm all in on that, and he's going to end up making more money doing that than what he made last year because he joined the team halfway in. I, I got to ask you, this is probably going to be the most serious question that we discuss this entire uh, free agency guide podcast. Are you willing to give Andrew Nimhard the keys to the third-string point Ooh. guard? I tell you what, I feel a lot better <laughs> giving him the keys than Kiefer Sykes. I never felt good about it. You can't even did. spell Kiefer Sykes without key, Fachi. It, it, it's very true. It, it, it is. But, man, I didn't feel good about handing those keys over. But you know what, Nemard, I, I feel a little bit better. So I think right now if I could jingle some keys together, they might have his name on it. All right, Lance or Nemhard, who would you rather give them to? Well, I mean, you know, Lance has proven a lot for the Pacers. So it's like, look, I can't just cast Nemhard to the side. I mean, 31st overall pick right over there. That ain't no, uh, you know, borderline first rounder. So okay. you, you, really, you really got me torn up in my feelings on that one. All right, brother. We'll move on. Jalen Smith, likelihood of some staying. Um, I'm putting that at 50-50. And, and, okay. And, and maybe I'll go at 55-45. I think the Pacers are – I think they have a realistic chance here. And the reason why I'm saying that was, A, we know at least Carlisle met with, with uh, Jalen Smith. B, we've heard now from numerous players that, hey, Sticks has been there with them. He's been working out. like. I don't think he would be as involved in those workouts if there wasn't a serious chance of coming back. So I'm leaning towards the Pacers get something done. But if someone comes out there and they're to offer him, say, like, you know, $8 million a year, I don't expect him to turn it down. Yeah, me and you are different here a little bit. I put 35% for me. Ooh. And that the only reason, I mean, 35% is a pretty good percentage, in my opinion, based on what they can Not offer. Not enough, you know? What they can offer him, though, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, they can only offer him so much. I think he would like to be here in terms of fit, but um, it's it's tough for me because I'm trying not to look at this with rose-colored glasses on because I, I clearly want him here. I clearly know that they went out to dinner. I clearly know that he's been out here working with the team, and, and I know that he is a fan of this young core. But at the same time, is he willing to take a lesser deal? Um, there's going to be teams that can offer him more money. There's going to be positions and, and, and potentially playoff teams that could offer him decent size uh a decent size role maybe not as a starter but off the bench the best thing you got going for Jalen here is you could potentially put him in as a starter mm -hmm. so that to me is part of the reason why I think you could resign him so I'm kind of moving on to our next point too I'm kind of putting these two together um in this segment here Fachi if you haven't paid attention to that already but um like the role that he could have if he's resigned I think could be that starting four position it, it very well could because and look it's not just the role it's comfortability with this team. It's playing with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who honestly helped get the most out of Jalen Smith. And we can't just give him all the credit, but it's like there's a lot of factors over here. He could go to a team where they don't have that good of point guard play. Or maybe it's like, hey, you know, you, you really don't have a shot at a starting role over here. Where with the Pacers, I mean, 
if, if TJ Warren ain't coming back, I, I think that Jalen Smith has a great shot at a starting role because I don't know if Isaiah Jackson is ready yet. So there are things that we can offer outside of just money, but at the end of the day, the man is here to make a living. So I understand if there's a, a bigger offer out there that's substantially bigger. If we're talking about, hey, there's a deal out there for a million dollars more, then yeah, he might pass that up to return to the Pacers, knowing that, hey, what if I ink this one-year deal, get a major role, and then I hit free agency next year? So mm-hmm. all that is, is very something to play in. But I want to also talk, you know, with, with, with my head, not my heart in this situation, because, man, if we could just re-sign Jalen Smith alone – it would feel like a win. Yeah, no, that would that would be pretty exciting. Um, I hope you're right. I hope it's more 50-50 than it is what I have, but I just don't want to get too excited about something that could potentially not happen. You know, what's really funny is when we did some of these, like, free agency pods and we talked about DeAndre Aiden, we talked about Jalen Brunson, it's like you start to fall in love with these players as you're learning more about them, their work mm-hmm. ethic and stuff like that. I remember how excited I was about Jalen Brunson at the time. Ooh, I was like, at the time I was too. I was talking myself into it and I was like, yeah, I can see it. But as things have kind of prolonged here, we're going to get to this later. It's just kind of funny how your, your opinion kind of alters in the moment, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in, in one setting you're feeling this way, but as it kind of plays out, you're like, Ooh, I might've dodged a bullet on that. Or maybe I was overthinking this. So, um, but it's never wavered when it comes to Jalen Smith, but a person that has wavered with is TJ Warren. This is the guy that it's very interesting to see what's going to happen with him. And I'm not particularly sure what the Pacers do here, but with TJ Warren, Fachi, what are you thinking in terms of likelihood of him staying? I'm putting at 60% or better. Oh, I am. I am. Okay. Wow. I'm putting at 60% or better because I don't think he really has that much of a market. I think he's very comfortable with the Pacers organization has made it known wants to be here. We've stood by his side guys played four games in the last two years, but before that he was our leading scorer on the year. So it was just, I, I think that he's someone that doesn't want this like big time market in the spotlight type of situation of like a Los Angeles. I feel like the Pacers fit him. And I think at this point, you know, this is me just, just, pulling this out of my butt but it's like he might be thinking hey the Pacers really stood by my side I want to honor that I want to show them that I am the TJ Warren of a few years ago and maybe I don't know if he's bubble Warren anymore but he might believe that he's bubble Warren and with that I, I think the Pacers have a good shot because a the cap space that we have and b not a lot of teams have that space I think they're also going to be scared off by his injuries yeah I put it at 25 percent whoa this is where me and you are different. And okay. I'm just going to put it this way. I just feel like hearing from the from both Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan over the last couple of months, like when, when they've talked, they've come down to we got to get more athletic and we realized that the injury, you know, stuff was something we, we couldn't hold on to anymore. We had to move on. And, and so I, I feel like they got rid of Levert. They're talking about getting rid of Brogdon. They obviously got rid of Oladipo. Uh, Sabonis was a guy that would play hurt. Warren to me is a guy like, look, I understand he could fill a position of need because this team, we talked about it, they're thin at the position T.J. Warren plays. But at the same time, they've been talking and talking and talking about a rebuild. Bringing T.J. Warren back does not scream rebuild to me. And so personally for me, I I feel like T.J. Warren is a guy that I'm not banking on coming back. And I think that uh, while you can offer him a starting position at the three or the four, I would prefer to see him um, moved elsewhere 
and, and not tie down money to him. But I, I wouldn't be opposed to, um, you know, maybe doing something small. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, I just don't feel like it's very likely with where the team's headed. Yeah, I mean, look, it would shock me if the Pacers didn't bring back Warren. But I just don't think that all of a sudden it's going to be like, whoa, whoa, Warren's got these offers out there. I think it's going to be kind of a dryish market. So maybe the Pacers end up getting a bargain. It's possible. But, you know, man, I, I don't want to hold on to the past too much. I'll, I'll put it at that. But the guy was real good when healthy. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think that if there's one team, if people were to take a guess, where do you think TJ Warren plays next year? I think the Pacers would be at the top of the list for many people. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that could throw him that mid-level exception. Very much. For three or four years, which might be more guaranteed money than what I would do if I'm the Pacers in this in this rebuild. And I think, personally, if he's able to go to a team that has championship aspirations, kind of like a Boston or a Milwaukee or, and wouldn't that be funny, Miami with Jimmy Butler or, you know, you, know, you never know, like the Lakers, would they be willing to offer him something because – you know, he could be a starter for the Lakers if he goes there. So I'm just saying there are options that are pr- probably more appealing to him in terms of wanting to win. But we know he likes the smaller market. He likes kind of being under the radar. So that's why, for me personally, like Milwaukee just screams T.J. Warren because I feel like he could really yeah, fit in well that. with them. Especially I mean, hey, if- Bobby Portis supposed to opt out. So yeah. he could fill that Bobby Portis role. Uh, man, it, it's just – it's tough for Warren because in this situation, I feel like if he doesn't have those injuries, he's cashing in on a deal. So I don't think he's going to want to sign for more than a one or two year deal. So the Patriots could offer him probably the most money short term. See, that's where I disagree because I feel like with his injury history, he's going to want to take that guaranteed money no matter what. Just my opinion, because what if he gets hurt again and has to retire? Like, I, I mean, I, I'm being serious here. Like, He's missed two seasons in a row. You think yeah. he's going to want to be out for another year and, and be like, I mean, I think Grant Hill was on JJ Reddick's podcast oh, talking yeah. about that mm-hmm. with his ankle injury. Like he legitimately thought he was going to have to retire early and made like a 17, 18 year career out of it. So that's kind of where I'm at with TJ. Like he's just constantly had foot problems his entire NBA career. He was great the first year here as he were at the Pacers, but after COVID in the bubble, he just hasn't been able to play. So I think when you're an injury-prone guy like this, you take the guaranteed money and hope it works out. I don't think Chandler Parsons is upset at all that he had to retire early and got all that money. So, Absolutely not, <laughs> man. That, that guy made off with a heist. Um, <laughs> Last one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Last one here for this topic. Ricky Rubio, what is the likelihood of him staying? Zero percent. That man is not <laughs> a pacer. All right. Case closed. We ain't even put it at 1%. Don't okay. tell me you got 1%. I got 5%. Oh, my God. Only yeah, reason why, it, it, it was very low. It's like, okay, could you just bring him and then figure out what you do with him? You know, I, I put the role he could have if he resigned his trade piece at the deadline. So you just work a deal out with him. Okay, you can come here, do what you got to do. But it, it's a very minimal thing. Like I could have put zero, but I was like, I, just to be nice, I'll give him five. So um, I don't know if you really covered all the stuff in terms of the role they could have a free sign, but uh, I pretty much covered everything on my end. Is there anything oh, else you want to add? You got it covered? Are you oh, I to- got it. Okay. <laughs> anything else you need to add? No, so you tell me whoever you want to start with and I'm ready to rock. Okay, because I already I already said all mine when I was explaining why, why my chances of them would yeah, be staying. So, so. so then 
I'll, I'll go through it. Starting with TJ yeah. Warren, a starting spot. Yeah. You bring back TJ Warren. He's a starter on this team. I don't see him coming off the bench, you know, for that. I, I don't think many teams are going to offer him a starting role. A couple could, but if, you, if you're looking at taking potentially less money with a contender, you're probably coming off the bench. So I think the Pacers can offer him a starting role out of the three or four or whatever one, you know, whatever style they really want to play. Um, uh, but o- overall, hey, we do need a veteran leader. Still don't know who exactly is going to be maybe that go-to score. I feel like there's, you know, there's a bunch of guys that, hey, they're, they're still young. Like, you know, maybe one night it could be Duarte. Maybe one night it, it could be Matherin. Maybe it could be Turner one night. But I feel like TJ Warren could fill that type of role. And if he comes back for maybe, say, one year right, right over there in a familiar system, yeah, I mean, that system, but a familiar, I can't really say familiar anymore. All the guys have basically been traded, but, you know, the Pacers, he knows the organization, then maybe I think he could be able to produce more than in a, in a situation where it's a one-year deal or so elsewhere, and he never really gets comfortable. Yeah, that's um, fair. Let's move on. Let's keep it moving. Yep. Jalen Smith, uh, we can offer him a starting role. Maybe yeah. not, you know, I don't know how many teams guarantee starting roles like that, but look, if he's not going to get the starting four role, then he could play at least 25 minutes per game. And, you know, that's what he got from us last year. And I think that he'll have a huge opportunity at a career year, being able to do what he did last year and half the season in a full season right over there, and then be able to cash in on a longer deal. If he is to just take that one-year offer from the Pacers or maybe a two-year offer. So I think right over there, he's got a lot to gain staying in this setting with guys that he's familiar with. And moving for, for Lance, why would he re-sign? He could be the veteran mentor, you know, leader on this team. Like that that guy who's been there, the players like him. I mean, he's obviously, we talked about it. Everybody thinks he's the funniest guy. His dance, his dance moves are beyond infectious. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, look, I, I think he's someone that when there is an opportunity to, to get in there, get a bucket, the crowd loves him. He already has a house in Indiana. He's had that house for years. It's just another incentive to be like, hey, this is my first choice of wanting to re-sign if you guys will have me. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, and I definitely want to go back to Jalen. Like, yep. I'll just be honest. This guy I hated when he was at Maryland. I, I was not a big fan of him at Maryland. I, I don't know what it was. I, I think it kind of annoyed me whenever he played against Indiana. I, like, I just don't like this guy. And, and then when he went to the pros, and I couldn't believe he got drafted 10th. I felt like that was super high for him. I thought that was very high. And I wasn't that high on him as a prospect. I thought he was just okay. And then he kind of, you know, flailed out his first year and a half with Phoenix. And I thought, well, that's kind of what I expected from him. I didn't expect this turnaround, but boom. He really surprised me when he came here to the Pacers and, and and really just turned things around for him. So I'm not sure exactly what happened, Vachi, but I've had a complete change of heart for him. I, I absolutely just love him, and I would love to see him get an opportunity here with us. And I think he could learn a lot playing next to a guy like Miles as well in the front court as a starter. I know some people are like, well, if Miles is retained, then that means Jalen won't get that starting position. It's like, ah, I wouldn't rule that out yet. I, I think that the Pacers are going to do whatever they can to try to keep him. I really hope so. I really feel like the Pacers organization values Jalen Smith. And similar mm-hmm. to your point, I'm with you. My brother went to the University of Maryland. So I remember him. He's not like a big, big basketball fan, but he's like, oh, what about like Jalen Smith? I'm like, the dude with the rec specs who can't get off the bench for Phoenix. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> half a season later, it's like, I love this guy. 
He's he's hitting threes. He's getting pulling down like ten boards. Like, oh my god, we have to find a way to keep him. Of course, the Pacers are in this situation, but yep. you know what? A, a lot of love goes goes a long way, and I, I think Pacer fans are giving it to him. I think the organization's giving it to him, and I don't think he got that in Phoenix. And you're not going to get it everywhere. So I think this is a situation where we got a chance here. I agree. Let's uh, let me uh, let me uh, talk to you about Rubio here. I said it could be a trade piece of the deadline. Did you have any other role for him? I, I just simply wrote three words. Rubio ain't returning. That, <laughs> that's what I wrote down. And I didn't okay. think I needed to go into further detail than that. I even heard that Cleveland wants him back. Look, yeah, I heard that he, too. He brings good stuff to the table. It's just that he never really got started as a pacer. So it's like, I don't no. think he has any type of investment here. And at the point guard spot, I mean, we're, we're currently loaded. No, and I, I really don't think he's coming back at all. I just looking at him, he he won't be healthy probably till close to January with this injury yep. that he's recovering from. So it's like, do you just take a swing on him? So real quick here, I'm going to go through the contracts I'd be willing to give them, and I'll, we'll go back and forth here with our with our contracts. But let's just make this a little bit quicker. I'm going to say Lance Stevenson. I'd give him a two year contract for four million dollars. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I I had the three million dollar veteran minimum. Uh, for one year. So okay. um, right over there, I just felt like, hey, you know what? Last year he made under a million dollars for the Pacers, $3 million. I think Lance takes that all day. Okay. And then for Jalen, I think we'll both have the same one here. Uh, yeah. The one year for 5.7, just to do what they can do with it. And then I would try to re-sign him after that contract's up to whatever deal you can get him to. Um, this would be the interesting one. TJ Warren, what'd you put? So I think I'm higher on Warren than you are. So he made last year uh, $12.7 million. I'm going with a one-year $13 million offer at that point. Look, it's it, it's basically exactly what he made last year. It's an opportunity for him to, you know, try and ball out, get a bigger market. If you could potentially sign him for like $10 million or less, sure. But I don't want him to feel like, oh, my God, you know, um, this, that's it take a pay cut nope give him exactly what he made last year give him an opportunity to have the best year of his career or whatever and earn that money yeah we're not too far off i said one year for 12 million dollars with a team option on year two for that 12 million and uh they can you know it doesn't obviously with the team option it's not guaranteed or anything like that so um i would just basically make it a prove it year for tj warren yep and, and kind of figure it out and i did the same exact thing for rubio i'm, I'm sure you didn't even give him one no. so i just did nope. I did one year for $6 million with a team option. That way you can trade that. And uh, if he's healthy and the team's interested in him, like the Cavs, maybe you get something back from return. But um, all right, let's finish it out here with this part of the segment. I'll take a quick break after this. Potential sign-in trades with our free agents. Do you see anybody um, on this current roster in terms of our free agents, these four players, that you could do, uh, see a sign-in trade happening with? This is really tough. Like for Warren, I just didn't think you're really going to get like something. I just felt like, you know, I, I didn't know if you were really going to be able to get anything back over there. I, obviously a good player, but I just did not know what to even say. We'll get this back. For a player like Jalen Smith, I hope for like maybe a young guy, like a second round pick or something like that. One of those. And then basically for Rubio, I literally said legitimately anything would be good. <laughs> okay. So I, I basically just said, I don't really see a sign and trade scenario for Lance or Jalen, just no. Warren and Rubio. 
And I said for an expiring player and or draft picks, and that doesn't even mean first round picks. It could be second round picks. Just anything of value to get back that you can use as trade assets to move off of these guys. When you trade, when you trade those guys and sign in trades, you could definitely create a trade exception, which we, we saw them do last year with McDermott. I think he made around 14 million last year, 15 million for the mm. for the Spurs. So the Pacers had like a have. I think they still have it. It's still effective. A seven million dollar trade exception. I think we talked about that quite a bit last year. So that that to me is like a way you could look at it if you're trying to acquire somebody. But other than that, not a whole lot there. So Fachi. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will do the league-wide free agent stuff and talk about the rest of the league that uh, could be a little bit interesting for the Pacers. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Fachi, let's look at the league-wide free agents. I want to start here with players that are linked to the Pacers. Fachi, what names have you heard that are linked to the Pacers? I mean, the big one, the, the hot news over the last 24 to 48 hours is Miles Bridges. Yeah. I mean, I read, man, I, I want to say, what is it, Evan Massey? You never want to believe in Evan Massey, you know, rumor. But <laughs> you can almost guarantee it ain't going to happen now, Fachi. So the funniest thing is one of my friends sends me that and goes, whoa, Bridges? I go, Nah, you don't know Evan Massey. If it comes from him, it's not going to happen. And he was like, <laughs> what, really? Like, that's how I explained it to him. But Bridges, you know, we heard that, hey, Charlotte's not going to offer the max to him. All of a sudden, we heard Detroit actually isn't interested. Uh, so it, it, the report said the Pacers are the biggest threat to Charlotte. Recently, we also heard, you know, Charlotte says that they're going to bring him back. Whatever that means, I don't know. It always comes down to money. So Bridges was the first one that I thought about. Uh, next, we had DeAndre Ayton for a bit in the rumors. The Pacers were in that running. Talks had significantly died down, in my opinion. You know what? Um, I, I don't believe that the Pacers aren't interested still. I Call me crazy. It might be a gut feeling. I just feel like it's been so quiet on the Pacers in for DeAndre Ayton that I could see something happening now more than mm-hmm. when it was really loud because – Usually when stuff gets real loud with the Pacers, it doesn't happen. The only time that it ever did was the whole Karis Levert to the Cavs. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Levert to the Cavs was like a rumor (laughs) months and months in the making. But with where Detroit's at, if San Antonio is trying to tank, if the Raptors don't really want to give up anything of significant value back, I I could see the Pacers throwing an offer sheet out there. I I really could. I know there was a report today that Chad Buchanan said that they're not actively shopping Miles Turner. Okay, great. That's awesome. Uh, what else is he going to say on the radio? Is he going to say, 
we are actively shopping him? No. So, you know, he said, we're still listening to offers and we're not a team that makes a bunch of calls on our guys, but we listen to calls on other guys, which kind of also kind of contradicts what Kevin Pritchard has said. Oh yeah, Because Kevin Pritchard has multiple, has said multiple times that they're a team that calls to figure out what the value of their players are and vice <laughs> versa. So it, it's just GM president of basketball Classic operation. Classic front office no. talk. We don't make calls on our players, but we listen to them. You yeah. know, it's just okay. like, you know, it's such a way to cover, cover your behind, but I think, you know, maybe the, the Turner comment kind of like influenced my decision a little bit, but I also just felt like the Aiton Pacers talks were like heating up a couple of weeks ago. Then also randomly the Nets odds to, to sign DeAndre Aiton like really increased yesterday. But I think maybe that was with anticipation that they could have been losing Kyrie or KD. Yeah, so or <laughs> I, I think, that I, yeah, it sounds, sounds like they're working that out, but it sounds like for in this situation, the Pacers are a serious team for deandre Ayton if we choose to send that offer out um yeah. I, I think there's only a handful of teams like you mentioned a couple of teams that are probably going to be ruled out there's only a couple of teams that can go after him and we are one of them that, that's why i think i wouldn't rule it out even though it's not been as linked to them as much i, I kind of think that could benefit the pacers and if you're wanting to get Ayton, I, I know some fans don't want him and they want to see miles and hey we'll get to that and I'm, i don't have a problem with that but I do think Aiton has a pretty high ceiling. So I, I would be cool with that. In terms of other free agents, Fachi, I know we had previously heard Jalen Brunson, but there's a lot of smoke now that he'll be going somewhere else. And uh, I think that makes uh, too much sense. And it's pretty funny just thinking about what the Knicks might be doing there. But another name that was linked to the Pacers was Colin Sexton. I don't know if you remember that or not. but Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I don't necessarily think that it's going to happen, but – you know, at least he's been linked there. So other than those players, I can't really recall any other names unless you have any. Now, the the, uh, the three that I has w- had was Miles Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Jalen Brunson. But when you're talking about a lot of smoke over there, I'm about to grab my fire extinguisher and put it out because, hey, let's put it to rest. The Pacers are not getting Jalen Brunson. The Knicks <laughs> are treating him like he is, you know, like the second coming of Michael Jordan over there, clearing the way out here, getting it, you know, trading at, back and back in the draft to get first round picks just to strap to players to get off the team, hiring his dad on the staff. I mean, Jalen Brunson's former agent, Leon Rose, is the Knicks president. Uh, there, there's so many different ties. Uh, Jalen Brunson's agent is Leon Rose's son. There, there's so many different ties over there that the Pacers aren't going to get him. So yeah. I think Miles Bridges, I think that actually does have legs. Aiton, I think we're kind of a little bit in the shadows, like, you know, anything could happen. But even Colin Sexton, I remember the rumors over there. I feel like after the Pacers snagged, you know, Nemard at 30, 31 overall, they still got to resolve Brogdon situation. You still got McConnell over there. You got other two guards. It just feels like we would be super, super guard heavy. So I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I don't think it's likely. I mean, Sexton was a really good score before he got hurt for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So he can play off ball next to Halliburton. I still believe in him as a player. But at the same time, is he the guy that I want to be giving a lot of money to coming off an injury? Probably not. And it's not mm-hmm. like been a heavily rumored thing. So um, before we get into our big swing players and our low swing players, I want to just talk about positions of need real quick. And I'm sorry for putting these out of order when I made this. It was kind of a spur of the moment type thing. But um, when Chad Buchanan was on the radio today, he said both four positions are areas to improve upon, but really the whole roster needs improved upon because they only won 25 games. So uh, above all, it's not just best player available when they were approaching the draft. It was 
you know, or not excuse, it wasn't position. It was just it was best player available. They were not going after, oh, we need a we need a wing, we need a power forward, we need a center or whatever. Like they weren't looking at that. They were looking at who is the best player available. That's what they was that's why they went with Benedict Matherin. And so now I'm thinking about um what Chad Buchanan also said here. Like I think really anybody's on the table in terms of like adding talent to the roster. But I want to look at some of these players that could be big swing players for you, Fachi. Um, who do you got? So for a, a big swing player, I mean, I, I think that you really got to kind of just go back to that same list that we just talked <laughs> exactly. about. Yeah, Miles Bridges, I, I think you want to swing for the fences over there. I mean, that's a guy that it seems like it's going to take the max to get him. Then you look at DeAndre Ayton right over there. And then I just – I have Jalen Brunson still on that list. But basically big swing, Miles Bridges. DeAndre I also throw an Anthony Simons. Oh, I mean, I got a soft spot for him. I I, I love him. I haven't yeah. heard him linked, but I mean, that is a big swing. Yeah. I mean, that's just somebody that, if, Hey, if you can somehow pry him away from, from Portland, then I would consider it because I like the idea of Simons, Halliburton and Matherin. I mean, it's pretty oh. enticing. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, is it really ideal? Probably not. It's a little bit small, but yeah. um you know, so is Damian Lillard and Simons together in, in Portland. So yeah. they got the cap space to bring him back. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, but those are my big swing players. In terms of low swing players, I'll just list off the four that I wrote down quickly and I won't get into it too much. Uh, I got Gary Payton the second. I got Bruce Brown. I've got Kyle Anderson and I've got Chris Boucher. So, you know, uh, I did have a couple pacers on there, which is like, man, is, is this disrespectful to call TJ Warren a low swing player at this point? Well, I, I wasn't really including him because this is league wide free agents. Yeah, it's yeah. not so, our free so agents. Just all right, so we'll take him out of there. You know, I had I, I like Bruce Brown. I I do think he's gonna he let's say deserves to get paid, but I think he's gonna get an offer that's a pretty solid offer. He's coming off a career. I had Kyle Anderson, uh Josh Akogi. Yeah, I like Akogi. I like a Kogi as like a like when you say low swing. I mean, this is a guy who's not even getting a qualifying offer from the yeah. Timberwolves. So I like him there on a low risk. Otto Porter, I, I think it's just a you know, it's not to say that he contributed big time on their championship team, but that was a guy that was just simply overpaid by Washington. He's a good player, but I remember at one point we hoped that he would have been bought out and maybe could have joined the Pacers um, following the trade from uh, um, Chicago to Orlando. Yeah. Bismack Biombo, look, hey, that yeah. guy who actually tormented the Pacers years ago when he was with the Raptors, but there's a need at backup center. I don't believe in Goga. And then uh, Bielitsa. Bielitsa, I like him. Always have. Low low swing. These are guys that – are they really going to move the needle that much? Maybe not. But I know when you say Gary Payton Jr., I read something, and it had to have been a false report, but it was something like, he was looking to command like ten to fifteen million dollars per year. It wouldn't okay. shock me. It wouldn't. I guess it wouldn't shock me, but I don't want to be the guy to do it. I thought he was pretty pivotal for the Warriors winning that series in the on the finals. I think he made a big difference. Being able to play him over Andre Iguodala and Otto Porter at times was was huge for them. And really, when Draymond was struggling, he played pretty well. I mean, when he came back, he played well. I think the games that he really didn't play a lot are the games they lost. So yeah. You know, I do like Gary Payton the second. I think he's really interesting. And another guy that I didn't bring up, but I, I would actually kind of like him as a backup center. And I think there's a p- potential that he could be brought um, here to Indiana. Well, he's going to be he's going to be a, a a coveted name, I think, 
on the open market, and that's Isaiah Hartenstein out of out of the Clippers. That's yes. a guy that has the the potential to be really impactful. I don't know what team he wants to go to, what his role is going to be, but I think as a backup center, like it's really really important for the Pacers to kind of solidify that depending on where they go. And I think he could be that person. I know Isaiah Jackson's probably more of a backup center than he is a power forward, but I think those two could be interchangeable as well. And if you, if you end up wanting to play Terry Taylor once again, and Isaiah Jackson together, then sure. Like I don't, I don't have a problem if you just go like the cheaper veteran route, maybe like the Deandre Jordan type of guy where you're bringing him on a minimum deal and not playing him a lot. And I know that's kind of what killed Philly was he was their best backup center, but Kind of you, gross. You get you yeah. get where I'm going at though. So I, I get where you're going. DeAndre yeah. Jordan in 2022 just kind of yeah, freaks me out. Good you veteran know. though. That's what everybody I, I, says. I know. Look, he's a veteran who you know had a good career for a while. You can make an argument that Chris Paul really got the absolute most out of him, and you know, post Chris Paul, his career kind of fell off big time. But Isaiah Hartenstein, you mentioned, I had him on my list for like a good two minutes and then I took him off because I read that he's someone that could be commanding over $10 million per year. Yeah. Um, but the Pacers have the sign. money. They have the yeah, money. They, and they, I we think got that, the money. we got the money and, and you know, sometimes unfortunately in Indiana, we got to cut some checks in order to get some guys to sign, but you know, uh, Zubox just re-signed yeah. the Clippers. So I think that kind of spells the end for Isaiah, Isaiah Hartstein. Not Isaiah Jackson. Uh, so it's just like at that point. I like it. Double Isaiah. That's cool. Double Isaiah. You know, we're always looking for some nicknames. It's the fan sections out here. So you never know. But I, once, that, once I knew about the $10 million, I was like, oh, man, are we going to be the team to pay him that? You know, but he does bring a lot of good things to the table. So that's a signing that I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be complaining about if it happened. Okay. Well, let's talk about this. Is anybody worth a max? And if you think so – Tell me why. And if you don't think so, tell me why not. There's no way for me to sound like an old man out here, but I don't feel comfortable paying Miles Bridges max. Okay. I'm going to say it. Short term, does it make the team better? Yes. Are we more fun? Yes. Are you guys about to give Miles Bridges the richest contract in Pacers history? A deal that is literally going to be about four years, 131 million. I don't know about that. I'm gonna crunch some numbers for you. All right. Great year. 20 points, seven boards, 49% shooting. Awesome. In his three previous years, he averaged 11 points per game, five and a half rebounds. He did it on 46% shooting. He's look, you can't put the blame on him because the Hornets defensively are atrocious but 114 defensive rating, it's nothing to write home to your mother about, all right? So I think at this point, when you, if you're going to be paying a guy over $30 million per year, I need a larger sample size than that. And Bridges, I don't know, just a little bit of questions off the court. I just feel like that's not the guy you max out. Yeah, what about anybody else? Would you would you give a max to Aiden? The, the next guy that I would debate would be DeAndre Ayton. But unfortunately, when they looked at teams that have won the championship, I mean, centers are, are not the players that are making a ton of money. They're really not. It's like the one position that you don't really want to max out, especially right now when we have Turner right now at 18. I know Ayton short term this year would be far less, but it's big money for a guy that no one really believes is in love with basketball. Uh, I, I just feel like good player, 
high ceiling, former number one pick. It's interesting. But if we max out DeAndre Ayton, I mean, how much closer are we to really winning it all right now? He's a big piece, but we're just not at that level yet to max out a guy and think things are going to change. Okay, and we can we can agree to that. Though I don't think we should be giving anybody a max. I don't think so. But I would, and Ooh. here's why: I would consider we, it for both Bridges it? and Aiden. Ooh. I uh, I listened to the low post talking about stuff today. I didn't finish the podcast, but he was just talking about how Phoenix is going to be in so much trouble if they don't keep Aiden. He's like, you just do it. You just offer him the max. Same with. Miles Bridges and Charlotte, you just offer them the max and you don't even think twice about it. You just do it because you can't afford to lose these guys. And so here's what I'm going to say. Look, Indy finally has the money to do it. And both players fit their youth movement. Also, if you want to make players happy, show them you're willing to pay. You've already convinced Herb Simon to embrace a rebuild. So keep modernizing the team and spend money to make the team better. Look, I'm just telling you right now. If you look at a guy like Tyrese Halliburton and you look at a guy at Benedict Matherin and you think, okay, these are two cornerstones for our future building forward. And you tell them, well, we had the opportunity to bring DeAndre Ayton in here, former overall number one overall pick. But we just didn't want to spend the money. How do you think well, yeah, they'll make that'll them? never go over well? That's all I'm saying. Like it's part of the reason Paul George left is because the Pacers were unwilling to spend the money. Look, whatever. He thought in his mind that they were going to get Anthony Davis. Look, it was going to be very hard to make that happen. So I'll put that aside, but Paul George is right to a certain degree. The Pacers are very tight with what they spend. And look, they've got $30 million in cap space. They can make more cap space by offloading guys with potential picks to other teams that have cap space. Like if they wanted to like free up a little bit more room, trade go-go, whatever. As long as they're under the tax, that's all that matters to me. They can be over the cap, but under the tax. So I would personally be okay with it for either of these players. I think Aiton is better than Bridges overall as a player. I, I agree with that. Yeah, like I, Bridges is like the sexier type of you know you know more of a position of need you know type yes. of thing. A, a guy that could score. DeAndre Aiton is no joke defensively. He, he's going to be good. He's a, he's a he's a backbone to what the Suns are doing. Just like you mentioned over there, I, I think that Aiton's ceiling is is higher with a larger sample size of it. Miles Bridges, I don't know. I mean, okay, how about this? If you ask yourself, who's more likely to make an all-star team out of the two of those guys if you max them out, who would you say? Oh, Aiden. There's no doubt I, about I it. would say Aiden. <laughs> I would very much say Aiden. <sighs> yeah, and that's and that's where I'm at. I, I feel like you put him with Matherin and, and Halliburton. Look, Matherin's going to be on his rookie deal for the next four years. I've talked about this before, and I'm not trying to, like, keep repeating myself, but I really feel like these points are valid because if you're thinking about it from – oh, I would never offer offer him a max. He's not worth it. Okay, I can understand why you don't think a player that was a third option on a team that got bounced in the second round shouldn't be worth a max. But I'm also looking at he's going to be 24, 25 this year, Fachi. Mm-hmm. His best basketball is ahead of him. No and doubt. No if, doubt. If he is motivated to prove people wrong, especially those in Phoenix, hey, you should have let me go. I'm going to take more money to play for a team that doesn't have as high as a ceiling, but – Tyrese Halliburton, I think, could really maximize DeAndre Ayton. I think Matherin could play really well off of a DeAndre Ayton. And I think DeAndre Ayton has more to his offensive bag than he was able to showcase down in Phoenix. So, look, um, same with Miles Bridges. I feel like he'd be a really good fit. I think he could pretty much do the same thing he's doing in Charlotte now. I don't think he's worth a max, but I've already talked about the players that have maxes right now that I don't think are worth the max contracts they got. Like, 
if, if you're looking on paper, do you really think Tobias Harris is significantly better on a max contract that he got than a guy like Miles Bridges? No. I mean, you're talking about $37 million per year for Tobias Harris. I looked at that contract earlier, nearly threw up. I mean, it, it is, it, it's rough. A good player, that money attached to him, all of a sudden changes everything. So, man, with Bridges, I just feel like good player for right now, but a year ago, no one in the world was thinking a max contract for him. DeAndre Ayton, I feel like they knew down the road, this guy is going to, he's going to cash in. Like, number one picks, unless you're like a Markel Fultz or an Anthony Bennett, you know, or some type of bust, you typically don't, you know, not get a max offer from the team that drafted you. And a guy like Chris Paul obviously helped that a lot. I don't think there's going to be a fall off when you're going to a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. So similar to your point, I think that Aiton's best basketball is ahead. While Miles Bridges, I'm not calling a one-hit wonder, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year he's averaging like 18 and six on similar yeah. numbers elsewhere. And you're like, whoa, we're paying over $30 million to this guy. Like this is really steep. Yeah, and I will say this: like you're probably going to have to give up Turner and sign and trade to get eight, and I think that could help some of that helps free up your, some of your cap space as well. Um, you could potentially do the same thing for Bridges, but I would not. I would just keep Turner and then just try to out sign or just outright sign Bridges and play them together. So if you're telling me would I rather have Turner in Bridges or Aiton by himself, I think I can make a case that I would probably rather have Turner and Bridges just because you're a little bit more talented. But at the same Pulls point, starting five. Yeah, no it does. But at the same time, if you're able to get Jalen Smith, you know, play him next to DeAndre Ayton, is that a clunky fit? I don't know. But if you know that you're not going to get Jalen Smith, then I, I think that I think that you look at both both players and consider. But enough with that. We got more things to talk about. So just to wrap up this segment here on the league wide free agents, Fachi, what players are you monitoring for other teams? So, for example, we already brought it up. Brunson, obviously, we're keeping an eye on what Dallas does, but also New York. So, any other players you're keeping an eye on? OG. OG, OG Ananobi. That, that's He's not a free agent, that, though. That's the thing. That's well, He'd be okay, more of a trade okay. person. So, when you said for monitoring for teams, you know, I was looking more like, you know, trade situations. So, yeah, uh, and, my um, fault. I should have clarified. What I was trying to get here at is, like, free agents that were looking at other teams that could swoop in and be competition for us to sign them. So, I just threw out – I didn't really have a ton that I could think of at the top of my head because there's not been a ton of reporting. But I threw out Sexton and Aiton. Uh, other teams yeah, have been linked yeah. to them as well. Same with I Simons. have Miles Bridges on there. I know there's a common theme, but basically, I mean, look at the amount of teams that could really offer Bridges real money. If Charlotte, so it looks like Charlotte's going to be a go out there and get an offer and then we'll match it. So if Charlotte, you know, isn't going to pony up a max, then all of a sudden, and Detroit ain't going to do it, either we're giving the max or Miles Bridges isn't getting it. I don't think there's going to be a surprise team that comes out there and really ponies up. And also, Alex, whatever just happened in the days of paying a guy like $20 million, that's not good enough anymore. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's just you're either a max guy or, or you make like the minimum. I mean, we're starting to see so many teams that have three max players and everybody's just kind of fighting for scraps at the end. So uh, I, I had Bridges as that's the situation I'm monitoring because I don't think that DeAndre Ayton is returning to Phoenix. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to monitor. So, Fachi, let's take another break. When we come back, we will look at trade stuff here with the Pacers roster. And potentially, uh, we'll look at some league-wide stuff, too. We'll combine that into one. We'll be right back. Okay, Fachi, so now we're going to look at the Pacers trading block here. 
um, as well as the league-wide trading block. But let's just get on here and start talking about um, the latest rumors on Pacers currently rostered. So um, what I have heard, obviously, Chad Buchanan, we brought this up. He said Turner isn't being shopped. Um, we obviously know Malcolm Brogdon is. It's very been very, very rumored, heavily rumored. And then another thing that Chad Buchanan said was that he hopes McConnell is with the organization past his playing career. So he said whether that's as you know, an assistant coach or in the front office, he said that they would love to keep him as a part of the organization for a long time. So thought that was interesting, Fachi. Um, but other than that, I really haven't heard too much on the rest of the roster in terms of uh, trading block stuff. I would assume Goga is on the trading block, but I have not heard anything tied to him at all. Yeah, I'd say Goga's on the block, just no one's called about him yet. No, I'm just kidding. Look, it, it just seems like, you know, they, they're saying they're not actively shopping Turner. Okay, I do think that the Turner rumors have very much died down. I think the Pacers are going to be like, hey, look, we're already thin at center. Like, I got no problem just kind of going into the season with Turner, hoping that he flourishes with Halliburton, has a career year, and then they'll revisit that contract. I don't see them giving him an extension before the year. Then you talk about Brogdon. That's the guy. Thing it's going to be He's going to be dealt sooner rather than later, but I think people want to see how things shake out a little bit. For instance, say, you know, say things don't work out with Jalen Brunson, then maybe there are teams that are, you know, more interested in Brogdon. But other than that, yeah, you're not really hearing rumors about like, uh, you know, O'Shea Brissett or, or anything like that. I don't think that the Pacers by any means have Duarte on the trading block. Wouldn't be surprised if teams have called about them, but I don't think that they're shopping him by any means. All right. Well, what um, what players most likely uh, are to be dealt on this Pacers roster? Malcolm Brogdon, no doubt. If I can underline it, capitalize it, bold it, whatever you the want. Talent size. It, all of it. Everything <laughs> that is involved in the Microsoft Word, you know, section right over there. So, yeah, it, it, we're overflowing at point guard. It's a youth movement. I just feel like right now, like Brogdon feels like, sounds rough to say but he feels like kind of that roadblock between like new new era and and you know even a, a couple years ago playing under mcmillan and then playing under bjorkren and playing under carl it's like he's just been through like the old pacers we're looking to get to the new pacers yeah i i said goga as well most likely to be dealt i said buddy healed and then i threw miles turner on there as well i think those are your top four candidates to be traded I could potentially see Duarte being traded, but I really doubt it because whenever Kevin Pritchard called to talk to Benedict Mather and he talked about Isaiah Jackson, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, and Chris Duarte as this young core. Didn't really say anybody else, so I think that's kind of the core three to, to yeah. add with the rookies. So I, I would be stunned by that more than anything, but definitely think Brogdon and Goga are number one and number two, and then on the fringe side of things, you know, potentially Miles and Buddy. Yeah, I, I honestly, man, I don't know why it like upsets me of like everyone trying to get rid of Buddy because I really do like Buddy. I do. I, it's but, just opportunity for these young guys to play. It's just it, like it's he's going to take yeah, so much. It, it's that the contract is also really appealing. It like decreases by two million dollars. He's right around that like nineteen million dollar mark. So that that fits what a lot of teams could could have to trade back. So I would just say most likely be dealt. Brogdon, I, I think that. Gogo's got to be in the running. And then when you even tell me that, hey, Chad Buchanan saying that he, they want McConnell past his playing days, like a guy like McConnell just brings a lot of stuff off the court that we might not get to see. But also, side note on McConnell, 
I love the fact that he rushed back last year just to get a couple games in with the young crew. Like he, the guy loves basketball. So mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot about him, but yeah, Brogdon Goga, you know, Hey, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they played their last game as a Pacer. Okay. I'm going to ask you this question. How, teams that players could be traded to, how many teams do you have listed? I got, <laughs> I got like three strong ones, like two, like, meh. Okay. Read them off to me. All right. The Hawks. Look, the Hawks are rumored for DeJounte Murray right now. I heard that the Spurs asking price could be three first round picks. You know, in any deal, the Hawks are probably trying to trade John Collins instead. But if they strike out on DeJounte Murray, Malcolm Brogdon from Atlanta is going to be way cheaper than three first round picks. I can tell you that. Um, so I think that he could be someone that could be going to Atlanta. The Knicks, if they strike out on Jalen Brunson, I, I got I got bargain Ben Brogdon over here for okay. way cheaper because you're not gonna need a max you amount. Take away Chris Ballard's nickname. Yeah, well, hey, bargain Ben Ballard. <laughs> you're you're not gonna need to max out Brogdon. He's already paid. He's he's already at like twenty two million dollars for for the next three years. Uh, you don't need to sh- trade any first round picks from or anything. Maybe one. Um, then all, all of a sudden, turn it around. Dallas. If Jalen Brunson yeah. walks, they got a need over there. Mm-hmm. So those are the three teams I felt most strong about. I sprinkled in like the Timberwolves if if they moved D'Angelo Russell. Like, could there be a three team deal? Nah. And then I debated like the Blazers if they lose Anthony Simons. But then I was like, eh, you know what? Like, would they really want to make a move for Brogdon? At that point, so I feel good with Hawks, Knicks, or Dallas, I think could be serious. Okay, so I had like 12 teams I wrote down. <laughs> and these are all kind of make sense if you hear what I'm talking about. I had the Washington Wizards, uh, right. obviously point guard situation. The Knicks, whatever happens with with Brunson, same with yep. same with Dallas. I have Phoenix on here in case there's a sign and trade uh, involving DeAndre Ayton. Okay. I know that I actually saw some Suns people talking about Brogdon. To the Suns, and there's some intrigue there. Um, you mentioned DeJounte Murray with the Spurs. That's a team I put down as a hey, you know, there is apparently some mystery Eastern Conference team that was interested in DeJounte Murray. I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to him and Halliburton playing together in the backcourt. Um, I, I like DeJounte Murray, but I, I also oh, I, I really like him. I mean, a backcourt like that would be awesome. I yeah. just, it just feels a little far-fetched. It, it does, but I just it could be traded to. I didn't say it would happen, just could happen. Um, I put the Atlanta Hawks on here as well. Minnesota Timberwolves. Then here are some ones that are probably less appealing. The Utah Jazz, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Charlotte Hornets. And then I also threw out the Clippers and the Nets. These are all teams that I think could potentially be looking to upgrade. And I, I threw the Clippers on there as a team because they need some center depth with Isaiah Hartenstein probably leaving. Could they be a team that pays cheap for Goga? And they put him as like a backup center. I could see that happening. The Nets. I actually thought of a trade idea, and I'm going to throw it out at you. Would you do Malcolm Brogdon to the Nets for Joe Harris and the Philadelphia 76ers 2023 first-round pick that they got in the trade for James Harden? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we're getting a shooter, but also just another first-round pick. Uh, I'm I'm very interested in first-round picks, especially for next year's draft. So, Look, you know, Joe Harris, I want to say he's right around about $18 million. So, you know, hey, it, it works out financially. Um, you know, obviously Saves us $4 million on the deal. 
It gives the Nets insurance in case Kyrie Irving decides to be Kyrie Irving, which we already know. I think Brogdon's a much better defender than Joe Harris. I think he can actually be a better off-ball shooter next to Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, You've also got a a pretty good core there built up with uh, Ben Simmons there as well. I think he can play off-ball and compliment them as well. So to me, I think it's kind of a win-win. Pacers get less money in terms of uh, how many years Joe Harris has left on his contract, just two to, Mal- to Malcolm's three, and it's at $4 million less per year. So kind of why I threw it out there. It's not like a sexy Karis LeVert type of thing where you get two picks back, but um, I like the idea of, you know, trying to – you add a shooter back, somebody that you might not keep long-term, you could flip him at the deadline. I think you might have more value with it being a lesser contract. And if you can get that pick – great if not i think i would still do the deal just player for player yeah i think at this point it's more about just being able to let tyrese fully be tyrese and not have you know there being like a back and forth we saw how passive he got with brogdon in the lineup in those those few games that they really played together so but also i gotta i gotta address one thing real quick when you mentioned ben simmons I have not heard Ben Simmons mentioned on our show in quite some time. And I forgot he was on the team. Thrilled thrilled we did not offer this mega deal for a guy that ended up not even playing last year. So, man, we dodged a bullet because there was a lot of Pacer fans that were very intrigued. I can say I was not one of them. Yeah, I heard that the the Sixers were asking for like Brogdon, Sabonis, and then like six first round draft picks oh for Ben God. Simmons. Who would which, have never recovered? Never. Which, which I'm assuming would have been pick swaps throughout the next yeah, three but years. Still, but still, you, like, get into that. you give them control over your next six years of draft picks for a guy that can't can't play. Um, you know, I don't know what happened last year. I don't want to be too critical of the guy yeah. because he could have been hurt. But at the same time, hey. like, dude. You know, just it was just handled very poorly. Uh, I I am very vocal about Kyrie Irving. That dude's a headache, and yep, I did not want to deal with that drama whatsoever. But um, I, I kind of threw out there. I think we both did there. What type of package we want for each player? But for me personally, I, I'm sold. I'm sold on picks for all of our players. You know, we've got a pretty good depth chart in terms of trying to get these guys playing time. So. I'd prefer picks. Uh, I would prefer not to take on bad contracts if possible. I'm cool with lower deals like we just talked about with a Joe Harris, like a couple of years left on it. Um, I think, you know, Evan Fournier and Earl well, those are guys that we've talked about that have those similar kind of contracts. But um, if a team's not willing to part with a draft pick, then I would be more intrigued to maybe add a young player, someone that you talked about a lot. We talked about a lot, Cam Reddish, just somebody we know the Pacers were high on at one point. So, any fits a position of need. I, I think that's the route I would go if I'm making some trades. I just don't want to get myself bogged down to too much money and, you know, overpaying for something just uh, just to get a draft pick. Yeah, I am bloodthirsty for first-round picks moving forward. I really am. So I got a couple offers out here. So say we go with Atlanta. This is okay. a first one. I want to see if this is a possibility. This one doesn't involve necessarily a first-round pick next year, but here's what we got. Gallinari, we know we can cut him, you know, just have a couple million dollars owed to him out of about his, you know, 18 or 18 or 19 million dollars. Yeah. So it's Gallinari and Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson didn't really play last year, but that was someone that I really liked in the draft about a year ago. So intrigued with that. Say they don't want to do it. What about this? The Hawks own the Hornets first round pick next year. 
So could we do Gallinari in the Hornets pick? That pick, I want to say, is about, I believe it's top 16 protected. So, Ooh. hey, it's it's not the best pick, but you're talking about Gallinari and, the, and that pick for Brogdon, or maybe there's a chance we can get the Hawks pick, you know? So yeah. they also own three second-round picks next year. So maybe Who are they from? Uh, it, all, all different teams. I'd, I'd have to look it up again. But, I'll uh, look it up real quick while you're yeah, talking. Yeah, there was a, quite a few different teams. So you looked that up while I go through my offers. Um, then there was another deal. This one, say we can't get a first-round pick. Dallas, say they miss out on Jalen Brunson. Yeah, What if I they like did Spen- Spencer Dinwiddie for Malcolm Brogdon and a couple second-round picks? So with that, <laughs> Dinwiddie's owed $18 million this upcoming season. So we saved $4 million. Then only $10 million is owed for the following year. Overall, the Pacers would save about $40 million with this deal. And Dallas owns second round picks. A few of those, one of those, the Thunders second round, uh, second round pick, and the Rockets second round hmm. pick. So that could end up being a pick that's like a top thirty-five pick. Maybe you get two second round picks in Dinwiddie. I don't know, but Dallas is going to have a big hole with with uh, if Jalen Brunson leaves, and I think Brodney can help fill that. Last, the Knicks. All right, we know they're desperate to slash salary right now. Say it doesn't work out with Jalen Brunson. You could do a deal like potentially uh, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, and one of those first-round picks for Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, maybe you just look to, to flip Nerlens Noel or Burks for whatever you can get. But say, you know, say that doesn't work out. What about this? Nerlens Noel, Cam Reddish, and potentially one of those protected first-round picks like Washington's top 18 protected pick for Brogdon. In this situation, they get off Noel. Cam Reddish, I just don't know if it's ever really going to happen there. And the Knicks also have a boatload of first-rounders. They're still owed Dallas's first-rounder. They're owed Washington's first-rounder. They're owed a Detroit heavily protected first-rounder. So they have picks coming their way. Yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks definitely got a lot of picks when they traded away um, pick 11 to the, mm-hmm. to the Thunder. And so now they have all those picks that they can maneuver. And I think that's something to keep an eye on, but it sure does feel like they're going to get Jalen Brunson. So um, I I don't, I don't hate the Dallas one, especially if you can get that Houston (laughs) once again, Houston second rounder. I like that. Um, Looking at the Hawks second rounders here, Fachi, they own um, their own, they own the Pelicans and they also own one that's either via Charlotte or Brooklyn. So I'm not sure how that works out, but you know, Still, I think the Pelicans could be an interesting one. But, yeah, I think out of all those, like, maybe Dallas makes the most sense. I don't know if they'd want to give up Dinwiddie. Maybe it's Bertans, which mm, – I looked at that. I don't want Bertans yeah. at this point. I don't I want them either. I'm just saying. I don't want them, but the thing is, is that since they owe the Knicks a first-round pick, they wouldn't be able to attach that pick, you know, right over there. Unless you're talking about years down the line, I don't think they're going to do that. I yeah. feel like Dinwiddie's that guy that, like – he played better in Dallas than he did um, uh, in Washington. But at this point, you're saving $40 million and getting a couple of second-round picks at that point. Like, it's really not that bad. If one of those picks is, like, 35, 35th overall, you know yeah. the Thunder, while they have talent, next year is the big prize for Victor. So it's like <laughs> there's a chance they could still be very bad. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. I I was just thinking about Bertans because of position, you know, Dinwiddie probably wouldn't have a, a big role here or he would be taken away from somebody. And that's not what I want to see. So 
You could probably flip Dinwiddie again, maybe make it a three-team deal. I think, I think that there's always ways to do that, even though you don't like three-team trades. That's my kind of thing. <laughs> they, they, so They just feel more fun than realistic. Well, they happen a lot more than you realize. So, I mean, it, it, it's just part of it. But um, let's move on, Fachi, because we got more to talk about here. So um, real quick to cover up this Pacers trading block, what, what Pacers should be worried about their playing time coming into the next season? Well, Malcolm Brogdon shouldn't be factoring in playing time. I wouldn't either. I figured he'd be gone. So assuming he's gone, gone. Buddy's going to the bench. Um, You know, he started it, I believe every single game as as a pacer last year due to all the injuries and everything like that. I think he takes more of a bench role, plays a little bit less. How many less minutes? Not really sure, but I don't think he's a starter. Uh, Next is Goga even on the roster. And if he is, it's a very inconsistent role. Last year, the Pacers really gave Goga a shot. They did. Towards the end, he started a lot of games, and and I don't think that's going to happen now. I'm not going to, you know, take his production in losses into effect. Um, also, Terry Taylor, look, got a soft spot for the guy, but a healthy Pacers team, it's going to be hard to get consistent minutes, let alone, you know, real minutes. Uh, then – Dwayne Washington Jr. Unless he can be You're just going through the whole roster right now. Yeah, I am. Hey, sometimes you got 12 teams on there. I got a couple guys. All right. <laughs> Dwayne Washington Jr. Look, if he can be a true marksman, he can carve out a role, but he's got to bring, he's got to bring some extra stuff to the table. You know, he's got to also be able to find a way to, you know, maybe be that emergency point guard or something of the sort. Towards the end of the season, he was getting some big minutes. And then TJ McConnell, lastly, look, very much a wild card. You know, if he's on the roster, he's obviously going to have some sort of role. Didn't look like he fit like a glove by any means in Carlisle's system. But, you know, hey, you get Brogdon off the squad. McConnell is obviously should step in as that backup point guard. Okay, I'll keep it simple. I said Dwayne Washington Jr., Andrew Nimhart, and Goku Batadze. So uh, that's all I had to say on that. Let's move over now to our league-wide trading block. Call him here, Fachi, and we'll try to get this done here in five to ten minutes. Um, players that we know that are currently on the trading block. This is going to be another long list of guys we've heard recently. Um, this is not including the Pacers. We've already talked about them, so we'll just go through this quick. John Collins, DeJounte Murray, Rudy Gobert, D'Angelo Russell, Eric Gordon, Alec Burks, Russell Westbrook, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Nerlens Noel, Matisse Thiable, potentially Nikola Vucevic, and I don't think I've heard too much more uh, out, of the, out of the rumor mill unless I'm missing somebody, Fachi. Uh, Luke Kennard, already wants out. Okay. Rashawn Holmes, OG. Yeah. OG, um, yeah, OG's a and good And, like, it feels like every time the Heat are rumored for someone, there's always, like, a Tyler Hero being dangled. They're, like, uh, I'm sure they'd love to unload Duncan Robinson somewhere. But other than that, I got the same players you got. Yeah, uh, those are good ones. I, trying to go through the list and, and going through everybody, like, we've heard so far, it's just difficult. But um, any players you'd be interested in pursuing via trade? I mean, out of the, you know, in terms of if we're going to pursue someone, OG, I got, I got, I got, I got a soft spot right over there. And then this guy's not available, but I don't know how many times I got to bring him up. Kelvin Johnson, just find a way to get him. <laughs> find a way. But is he on the trading block? No, I don't think he is, but I want him. All right. Okay. Well, I'm talking about guys on the trading block here. Let's, no, let's so stay on topic. I'm okay? just going to go with OG because look, I don't think we're a realistic shot for DeJounte Murray. I don't see DeAn- us making a move for D'Angelo Russell. Other than that, like uh, you know, we're not going to be. What about John there. Collins? I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I like Collins. Would have loved Collins over TJ Leaf, but that ship sailed. Uh, at this point, 
I mean, if they were going to just kind of look to almost dump him, if you want, how about this? Brogdon for John Collins. We got to throw in the Cavs' first round pick. Would you do it? Oh yeah, thousand percent. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, that deal right there. I'll sign off on that right away. All of a sudden, we plug Collins in at the four right there. I I love it. The Cavs pick whatever at this point. I feel like that would be a great scenario. Whatever. Okay. Uh, one guy that we didn't mention was Matisse Thibel. That'd be someone I'd be interested in as well. Yeah. On a smaller deal, but um, valuing draft picks versus valuing young players. For me, I said picks over players to continue to rebuild the roster through the draft, unless the young player fills a position of need. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of like what I value a draft pick over valuing a young player. And, you know, Jalen Smith was a young player that we didn't really value, but he ended up turning out to be special. So there are guys like that across the league, but I just think picks are more valuable in terms of traits. Now I completely agree. I'd love to stack these picks sky high, but you know, Hey, at this point we're, we're just looking at the Pacers first rounder and the Cavs for next year. I hope there's more, but at this point it gets to a point where we have so many young players, you can't play them all. So if we can get some picks for the future, I think it'd be very beneficial. Absolutely. So the last one here on our league-wide trading block, what are the pros and cons for you, Fachi, to trading now in the offseason versus trading players at the deadline? Pros, we can tank early on. I think I think from, from the start, we could be that team that, hey, really puts themselves in, in a good position to get a superstar for next year. However, I just don't see the Pacers being like the worst team by any means. Um, you know, for, for, you know, cons for, for trading right now, guys like Turner and Brogdon, the value really isn't there. I think you'd be forcing a trade right now. If you were to trade Turner to the point where I don't think it would make sense. Brogdon, I don't want to wait too long. So, you know, there's there. And then cons, you know, teams they're they're gonna they're gonna want to fill out their roster right now and wait a bit. So I I think that that'd be a bit tough to trade some of these guys right now. Yeah, I I kept it pretty simple here. I didn't want to overcomplicate things. I just said teams have more control now, in, in terms of what they want to move off of, what they're willing to trade. And um, I think if you're able to make a trade in the off season, it helps establish that chemistry over a longer period of time. Um, especially guys that aren't expiring deals. Like if you're able to trade them to a situation where they might be comfortable giving them a full year to kind of get that, you know, franchise, get, get into that franchise's wing and play with them and figure out what exactly they're all about. Then that could be more enticing than just being there for a few months. But I will say this trading at the deadline does benefit teams who are losing slash tanking because the teams that are winning become more desperate and teams that are trying to get into the playoffs might say, Hey, look, we'll just part ways with our pick. We, we want your guy. We want him to help us get into the playoffs. We saw that happen with Levert last year. I think the Cavs, while they like him still, don't get me wrong, they were just like, we really want to make the playoffs. We lost Ricky Rubio. We got to make a deal. We got to continue to be better. So that's why I like that. Um, but other than that, I don't really think there's too much other to add than what you put. So um, you want to get into our bold predictions here as we wrap it up? Let's do it. You All right. want to start? Yeah, one Pacer free agent to re-sign. Who you got? Jalen Smith. I, okay. I think at this point we had to be bold, you know, so with that, I couldn't really say TJ Warren or so. So I'm going with Jalen Smith. I think he <laughs> takes a little bit less money to re-sign and all Pacer fans are happy. Okay. Uh, that's who I had as well as Jalen Smith. How about your one Pacer to trade away? Bold prediction. I had to be bold. I couldn't say Malcolm Brogdon. So I'm going to say Chris Duarte gets wrapped up in a really appealing deal for us. 
where we're a little bit heartbroken, but we're also happy for what we bring in. Okay. Um, I'll just say Miles Turner, then, if I can't say Malcolm Brogdon. Um, you know, is Turner super bold? I don't know, but eh, it's bold enough, right? Um, let's go to the next one. One NBA free agent the Pacers could sign here. Give me a bold prediction. So I struggled with this one because it's such a weak free agent class that I was like, who would be bold? Like, we're not signing Zach Levine. We're not signing, like, Bradley Beal or anything. So just to be bold and throw out one of those names that, you know, maybe someone who's better than what he is, but he hasn't really found a home lately. Well, Montrez Harrell, you know, we got to oh, need that's bold. We got to need it to four. He, he's a guy who's six men of the year just a couple of years ago. So I feel like people are forgetting about him. We got the money. There's, I don't think he's going to have crazy offers out there. So try to be a little bold. Okay. I said Bruce Brown here, Fachi. Okay. This is a guy that I think could be really interesting. I'd be hard to pull him away from Brooklyn, but who would really want to be in that hot, hot mess? Um, and the Pacers have a really young core that's on the rise, so I would like Bruce Brown as a player. And if you don't get Jalen Smith back, he could fill in as a starter as well. So last one here, Fachi, bull prediction. One NBA player to trade for who you got? OG Ananobi. I OG. knew it. I knew you were going to yep. say OG. There was a theme here. I just something that I was just doing so much digging into his game today that I was just like, we got to find a way to get him. We got to do it. So, um, you know, just just bring him back. Bring bring him back. I know. I know. You know, some Pacer fans love the the ties to like an IU. Some people are like, stop doing those ties. You know, we've had it enough. But at the same point, he's a real good player. This wouldn't just be to sell tickets. Yeah. I, uh, I completely agree. I would love OG and Anobi. I think it would be awesome. But for me, the one NBA player to trade for, it's it's my bold prediction, but it's not very bold. Flatch, I'm going with DeAndre Ayton. Okay. Um, All right. All I, I think right. it's semi-bold because he's not out yeah. there as much. Bold-ish. But, you know, I just I, – I believe that the Pacers have interest, and I'm not getting any intel from anybody. So if you think I'm, you know, got some inside source, trust me, it's just it's just a gut feeling. I don't know why. I, I just can see it happening. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, that's where I'm at with it. Fachi's better at this stuff than I am. He's better at predicting this stuff. Usually I'm wrong. He's right. So uh, we'll go with OG and Obi as more realistic. But that would be fun as well. So uh, Toronto, keep an eye on them. That'd be interesting to get a three-team trade going there between Phoenix, Indiana, and, and Toronto, uh, maybe for DeAndre Ayton, Miles, and OG. But with that being said, Fachi, where can people find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on, on YouTube. You did a good job yesterday without me telling people where they can find us on YouTube. So I was wondering if you were going to stick with it. But nope. <laughs> it's just, it's become a habit now for me to tell everybody. So youtube.com slash setting the pace a pacers podcast and just a quick reminder i'm trying not to overload your twitter feeds your social media feeds with our shirt pre-order forms but we will be ordering those next monday so i need a finalized count by friday to get that order put in so if you're interested in buying one of our new black setting the pace t-shirts with our new logo with the uh, with the pacers p there that we kind of have modified ourselves with setting the pace it's plastered everywhere on our social media Fachi just told you so make sure you guys check it out for standard sizes extra small through extra large it's $22 plus $3 shipping for double x and higher they are an increase in price 25 bucks for those with a $3 shipping handling uh, shipping and handling fee so really try to make it affordable for you guys these are really cool shirts I know that they are very comfortable as well so 
want to encourage you guys get your pre-orders in by friday i'll drop a link in the podcast description i'll put it in our instagram bio as well if you're curious where to find it very simple thing but just please leave your address and email or a phone number or something so we can ship it to you one and contact you if for some reason you forget to put your uh, information on there so with that being said fachi a lot of stuff to run through there at the end but if you're excited that the pacers have cap space to make free agency very interesting say these three words let's go pacers <laughs> <laughs>